Hey, and thanks for joining us for Parkview on the Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor here, and if this is your first time hanging out with us, let me just tell you what we're all about. Regardless of your past or your story, whether you've been around church for a while or a little bit, whether you feel like you have it all together or not, we are a church where you belong and where you can take your next step toward God. One step that God wants all of us to take at some point in our faith journey is to seek out a small group of people that encourages us to grow in our faith, where people pray for each other and study the Bible together. At Parkview, we call those groups small groups, and we have them meeting online and in person around Chicagoland and across the globe. And listen, it's good to spend time together like this, but this is just the beginning. To grow spiritually means you have to be connected relationally. So if you're hearing this and you know that it's time to take a step and join a small group or even consider starting one, let's talk about it. Go to parkviewchurch.com groups and fill out the short interest form. Make sure you let us know that you're a part of the online campus if you are, and we'll get you plugged in right away. Today, we're continuing our teaching series called Crazy Stupid Love, and yes, we're talking about relationships, but I promise it will resonate with every one of us, whether you're single or not single. And I'll be back at the end of our time together to close us out. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the service. What do you call the three rings of marriage? No clue. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and the suffering. It's not the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. I will be 100% committed to this half the time. I'm gonna let go, Jack. Snap out of it! What do you want? Are you kidding? I know what love is. I just don't want to be some dude on your arm. I should be royally ticked off at you. You know, you are really destroying the groove up in here. Calm down, crazy. What is this? Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to Parkview. If you're at Homer Glen, if you're at New Lenox, if you're at Orland Park, if you're online, we're glad you're here and we believe that Jesus saves. And that has a whole new meaning in Chicago now, doesn't it? Yeah, Jesus saves right there. Been a fun week with the weather, hasn't it? But I, I think it's all over now. They found the problem and Elsa's been arrested. So uh, don't let her go. Should be good now. Um, I want to give you the update from uh, my wife's uh, surgery, brain surgery, literally at Mayo Clinic. Some of you don't know this happened, but I just want to give you an update. And mostly just to say, if you've never been the recipient of a lot of prayer, you have no idea what you're missing. I mean, you want to talk about feeling empowered, feeling the presence of God, man, we did through this whole thing. Um, If you don't know, my wife did deep brain stimulation surgery. They put two probes into her brain and a wire underneath her skin to a little device here that will help her not shake anymore. She's got not Parkinson's, but essential tremors, which she's had all of her life, and they've gotten really bad, and this is going to fix it. We go back up next week. And they turn it on. I hope to have a really cool video of before and after next week. And I just want to say thank you for the, for the prayers. We're in this series on relationships and we're using this relationship attachment model, RAM, right? Okay. It was developed by Dr. John Van Epp, a, a relationship counselor, therapist. And if you're a visual learner, I think this is really important. I think this is really going to help you. Okay. It's this relationship attachment model that we've been digging into and it goes in order order, okay? You with me? So you, you, you don't trust someone until you know them. You shouldn't. 
Um, you shouldn't rely on someone until you can trust them. You shouldn't commit to someone until you can rely on them. And, and then the touch, you know, depending on whether what kind of relationship this is, that should be the thing that comes along later on, okay? And what we're discovering, a bunch of us have discovered this firsthand, is that when we get these out of sequence, that's when things start getting messed up. Like, let's just say, for example, that uh, maybe you're in like a relationship like this, okay? You've just been dating for a little while or whatever, and you jump right into the physical part. You don't really know them. You think you can trust them, but you don't really know because you don't really know, and maybe you can rely on them. There's no commitment, and you jump into this. Well, what's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. It'll rip your soul away. It will complicate things. And one of the things that we've learned, one of the things that I continually learn in my lifelong journey with God is that God's ways are the best ways. That's why we're looking at this as the progressive nature for all relationships. And this can do with friendships. I mean, if you're dating, you've got to know this stuff. And if you're in a marriage, this is the stuff that gets you messed up along the way, okay? When these get out of whack. So today we're going to talk about the fourth one. Pastor Todd did a great job last week with Rely. If you haven't seen all these, you need to so that they can all go together. And let's talk about commit. And let's go back to our theme verse from Philippians 2. In your relationships, with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. No, no brainer, right? We call ourselves Christians. We should have the mind of Christ, the same mindset of, of Jesus Christ. But I want you to keep this verse in mind as we talk about the crucial part of relationships, because it's undeniable that commitment in relationships, especially romantic relationships, especially a marriage, is the part that's going to be the most important. Because we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the one who chose to commit to us, right? And we're talking about the one who chose to reject popularity and wealth and comfort for us, correct? The one who chose to endure criticism and humiliation and torture for us. So if you want to see what real commitment looks like, you have the in your relationships the same mind as that of Christ Jesus, and then we go on to the next verse, who... Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, which was humbling enough, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What is that? That is commitment with a capital C. Now, I'm not talking about the unhealthy, you know, I don't matter, you can walk all over me codependency that Pastor Todd talked a little bit about last week. But true commitment in a relationship requires us to die to our ego, to die to being at the top spot of the org chart, die to the, to the me first mindset, if you will. And honestly, this is the big reason why a lot of relationships don't thrive, because culture is all about me. Right? I love the quote Todd had last week. The only reason they called us selfie is because we can't spell narcissism. Okay? That's exactly right. Me, I'm about the center of the universe. As a result, we're not willing to die to ourselves. We're not willing to have the same mindset of Christ and be totally committed to the other person. Now, I got to say, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I haven't written any books on it. I don't even watch Dr. Phil. However, 
I, I do have a bunch of really great long-term friendships. I have a strong, intimate relationship with my kids and my son-in-laws and my grandkids. I have cherished relationships with hundreds of coworkers and neighbors. And I've been in a relationship for 37 years. And I've learned a thing or two from our marriage. We've been through a lot of counseling. And, and if you somehow look at my life and my family and my marriage and you think that it looks like some kind of Disney movie to you, you know, and like my birds are flying around helping my wife get dressed in the morning, I got to admit, God has been really good to me and he's always been good to me, but we had to learn the hard way. I love the old Rodney Dangerfield line. He said, my wife and I were happy for 20 years and then we met. It's funny. It's not a good impression, but it's funny. Now you're going to want to watch Caddyshack. I get it, okay? Denise and I spent not enough time getting to know each other, but we wanted to work it out. So one day, I put on a white tuxedo. Yes, I did. And this happened, boys and girls. Yeah, check that out. Tom Selleck mustache and everything. And in front of our friends and our family, our two dads, both of our dads did the ceremony, and we made a commitment to each other. And that started a 37-year run of touching each other. Yes, it did. Hey, don't miss next week. Whatever you do, we're going to talk about touch. But it has never been easy. And I'm learning that every relationship, what makes this relationship rise or fall, comes down to commitment. In fact, the word commit is used in the Bible. It's an active word. Okay, It's continual. It's not a one-time thing. It's an I'm all in thing, but it's a continual thing. You know what that is like? Okay, It keeps on getting to know the other person. It keeps on being willing to trust the other person, even if things aren't the way you think they ought to be, or to rely on them and to keep your commitment to them one way or the other. Their strengths and their weaknesses and their personality types and, and, and whatever's going on in their life. Commitment keeps rebuilding trust with them and relying and all of those things. And it keeps an exclusive commitment. And here's what I want you to understand, okay? You choose to commit. You choose to commit. It is a decision. Love is a decision. Commit is a verb. It is something that you choose to do. There's a song that many of you grew up with. Um, you know, you've lost that love and feeling, and now it's gone. Sing it with me. Gone, gone, whoa, whoa. Yeah, you, you like that part. Everybody always does. I, I get it, but that's not the right kind of love. Love is not an involuntary act of the hormones. It's not a feeling you fall in and out of. It is an intentional act of will, a decision. To say, I'm in this for the long haul. This is good to the grave. I'm not going to bail on you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to quit. I choose to die to my own selfishness, to serve you, to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And we saw in these verses about Jesus in our, pre, in our key verse, but check out the verses that precede it, all right? Listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you look to the interests of others. I, I read that scripture at every wedding I've ever done. 
Let me give you an old-fashioned word that goes with it, okay? It walks hand in hand. You get the idea who Jesus was to us. Now we're supposed to do that to each other. Just like forgive us our trespasses as we forgive each other. We're supposed to learn the love from God and from Jesus, and we're supposed to pass it on to each other. And it's an old-fashioned word. I'll add to this. It kind of sounds old-fashioned in today's world, but it's called faithfulness. I, I think I call it old-fashioned because I think that we would all agree that unfaithfulness is not only frustrating, it is a disease that is running rampant in our culture. But does that come from God? Here's what the proverb writer said. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is really faithful? Isn't that a good question? When the word faithful is used in the Old Testament, it carries the meaning of firm, steadfast, Sure, trustworthy, honest, secure. And throughout Scripture, all of those words are used to describe the character of God. Listen to Beth Moore, brilliant Bible teacher, talk about the, 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 the faithfulness of God. She said, faithfulness is resting in His certainty, persuaded by His honesty, Trusting in his reality, being won over by his sincerity, being sure that he's sure and believing he's worth believing. That's what faithfulness is. Believing that he's worth believing. Being sure that he's sure. The, The psalm writer David said, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Some of you just, I I just need to pause. You just need to hear this word from God right now. Forget about your relationships. Just hear this word from God, will you? Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. O Lord God Almighty, where is anyone as mighty as you, Lord, And faithfulness is your very character. Who is God? He is faithful. It's his character. So once again, we go back to the same mindset. Then our relationship should have that same character, characterized by faithfulness. Okay? A couple of things I've been learning about this. Faithfulness is persisting even when I want to quit. Think about it. How how do you get to be a world-class athlete? I mean... You know, there's God-given talent part, but there's also hours upon hours of practice and grueling workouts. And and you can ask the athletes, do you always feel like working out? And they're going to say, absolutely not. And I mean, we just watched this, right? Tom Brady amazingly showed us that in the Super Bowl. His, at 43, his health and his workout regimen are incredible. Okay. As a matter of fact, even at 43 years old, I think there's only one way you can stop Tom Brady. And this would be it. Put him in a Bears uniform. Okay. Some advice for our relationships from Dr. Van Epp regarding commitment. Okay. Number one, you may need undistracted attention. If you are in a rough patch, okay. Uh, even if you're not, you need to be able to do this on a regular basis, but especially if you're in a rough patch, take a commitment to do some positive steps, like going away for a few days so that you can focus on this issue and maybe dig back into this. Where is this going right? Where is it going wrong? Where's the trust factor? What are some things I'm not sure I know about you? 
Okay? If you're in a situation like that, you, you need undistracted attention. And I would also say, when you get to this part, I think it's really important that you understand that as a Christian, one of the best things you can do to help your commitment, it's also going to help this, we'll talk about that next week, is to pray together. What? Yeah. Praying together. Think about it. What does it do? When you pray with anyone, where two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst, right? That's what Jesus says. Brilliant, beautiful. How about if it's you as a couple? Because what happens is you've got to at least be thinking about the same thing, right? You've got to be still have the, your heart open to the same thing when you're praying, okay? So undistracted attention. Number two, verbalize your commitment. I don't care who you are, nobody's ever going to get tired of hearing an important person in their life whether it's a parent or a loved one or whoever it is that says, look, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. I got your back. I want you to know I'm committed. Really important that you verbalize it. Number three, remind yourself of your own commitment. I mean, Every once in a while, it's good for you to go back and watch the wedding video, you know, with the white tuxedo. Every once in a while, it's good to go back and to think, you know what, this, this, is, I've, this has gotten me this far. If I break this now, what is it going to look like? Remind yourself, not in the middle of the frustration, but remind yourself about the good that is going on here and how important this commitment is to you and what you're doing. Number four, set mutual goals together, okay? It kind of goes back to the first one, but it kind of goes back to knowing each other. Maybe you, don't, maybe you don't even know what each other's goals are. What are some areas that you think, like, this is the best thing you could do right here. Take this, this model, put, mark it on, on your iPad or put it, write it on a piece of paper and say, how do you think this is in our relationship? Engage it against each other and set some goals. Well, okay, I think the reliability thing is a problem for us right now, Okay. Because I don't feel like I can trust you to be there for me. Okay, I'm, 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 I trust you, but I don't rely on you. Let's put it that way. Oh, well, well crud, then what should I do about it? Well, we need to focus on some goals and help move that up together. What is it our relationship needs? Those of you who are attending our small group couple study have learned about having regular huddles. Managing your relationship bonds with the help of this RAM model. And when you're doing that, that you're, you're going to bring all the areas back to full strength. Number five, read a book together like some of you have been doing through this. Again, we have a, a marriage book. There's a marriage book and a, a dating book that, that he has written. You should get that, go through it. There are also a ton of good marriage podcasts out there. So you're driving to grandma's, you know, whatever, pop in a, a marriage podcast or you got some time together or, or both of you listen individually and come back together and talk about what the podcast was about. This is the real world we live in. There's a ton of help for you. Number six, and I probably would move this up if you're in trouble and you're worried about the commitment part, but I can't say enough about Christian counseling. I can't say enough. It saved our marriage. And it's helped me in so I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Christian counseling. I promise you. And we can help you with that. Um, and seven, make a public declaration of your commitment. This is just an idea. Uh, this came from Dr. Van Epp, but I, I, I love this, okay? Maybe it's time to go public. Maybe you've been married long enough. It doesn't have to be like 10 years or 25 years. It just maybe it's 
it's time to go public with you and say, hey, we're having a party. When we can have a party again, when the snow all finally goes away and, and the virus finally goes away and we can have a party, we're going to have a little get-together. We're going to renew our vows. My wife and I decided to do this for our 25th anniversary, and we decided that we wanted to do something fun and learn something new for our 25th anniversary, so we got scuba diving lessons. And we went over there to that place in Orland, and we got scuba diving lessons, and we got certified, and then we went down to the Keys in Florida, and we, we went out to do our, our deep dive to get our final uh, you know, license to be able to do it. And while we were down there, we renewed our vows. And you got to understand that you got a mask on, you know? So it was just really fun. It was like, you know, I, we were kind of like, okay, let's do this. I take you, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. I mean, you know, what, what can you do? It's hand signs. But, but it was a way for us to say, this is what we want to have happen for the next 25 years. And Come to think of it, I guess we're halfway there. <laughs> For the next 25, mature spirit-led people, I'm really old. Mature spirit-led people live by their commitments, not their emotions. Your emotions are going to come and go. But faithfulness is doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it. It's being persistent. It's refusing to give up. Even when you're tired or moody. Even when nobody else is cheering you on. Here's the thing. I'm just guessing that some of you are at a quitting point today. You're ready to give up on your marriage. I mean, the stats are going to prove that out, right? Some of you may have already seen counselors and you're, and you're done. You think you're done. Some of you may already be at the divorce lawyer. Uh, listen, some of you are at a place where you're going to give up on another relationship. You're, you're, you're at the place where you're going to give up on school because it's too hard. Some of you think your finances are hopeless and you're just like, I'm never going to get out of debt. Why, why should I bother trying? It's never going to get any better. Look at my social media feed and see one of the Parkview families that did that this week. Or, or you're ready to give up on that dream or that career or whatever. You feel like throwing in the towel. I heard someone say a few weeks ago, I threw in the towel and God threw it back and said, here, wipe your face. We're almost there. I love that. Here's how the message paraphrase puts to James 1. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows your true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient, in any way. It's when you're in those pressure situations, when you feel like quitting, that's when the Holy Spirit does his best work in perfecting character, faithfulness in your character. And he will encourage you in those times. He will say, come on, you can do it. I love the story from the 68 Olympics in Mexico City. His famous story in perseverance. Um, Marathon winning run was around 220. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers who won the marathon that year. But they will always remember John Aquari from Tanzania. He was involved in a crash of runners around a corner. A bunch of runners were trying to get in, in position, and they all crashed into each other. And he badly hurt his knee and his shoulder. And they tried to get him to quit, but he wouldn't go on. So they bandaged it up. And a full hour after the winner had crossed the line, as there were just a few spectators left in the arena, he came running in. Here's a picture of John Aquari. 
He came running in. And they tried to get him, you know, the, every, the, everybody in there was like, what is the deal? And finally the story started going around of what happened. And, and it was this inspirational thing where all of a sudden all the reporters left all the other things that were going on and went over to a quarry in this post-race interview and they said, you're an hour behind everybody else. Tell us what happened. And he told about the crash and he told about, you know, falling down. And they said, well, why didn't you just quit? You look like you need a hospital. And here's what he said, his famous line. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Listen, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Okay. Faithfulness is persisting even when you don't feel like it. You, you, you slide the lever up really, really high and you say, I'm not going to quit on you. Even if I can't always rely on you and I can't always trust you and maybe I don't know you as well as I think I'm going to, we're going to work on those and I'm going to stay committed to you. And it's in that, it's in the aura of that, that this really does work. I don't care what the world tells you, that's how this works. And we're going to talk about that next week. I'm not going to quit on you, and it's going to the grave with me, okay? Trustworthy. I'm committed to being reliable. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Once again, back to our key verse. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. He is the ultimate promise keeper. And can I just say for a second here, how grateful I am that this church thrives on the selflessness and the selfless commitment of so many people around here. They choose to commit their lives, their giftedness, their resources to helping people find and follow Jesus. And, and I love you for that. I'm talking about the volunteers at all of our campuses who, who fight physical ailments to show up and keep their commitments. Our crazy parking lot people who stand out in a polar vortex and help people park even though they know not very many people are going to show up because nobody wants to get, even get out in that weather, let alone stand out there in a yellow jacket. I'm talking about our greeters who hopefully someday soon will actually be preparing edible communion again. I, aren't you excited? And someday we'll be making coffee again. And those that are setting up chairs and are working around the building and the committed men and women who love kids and faithfully show up with joy and fun to teach kids and play with kids and change diapers and rock babies and lead student groups and work in our student ministry and people who serve behind the scenes doing technical things that I don't understand so that we can hear and see and experience what we get to experience online and on our, in, our, in our services. And the compassionate people who serve under-resourced areas all around the world and we can't wait to get back out into the world in our local communities. And faithful people who give sizable chunks of their income so that people can hear the good news of God's love. And volunteer musicians who love God and spend hours learning and memorizing music that helps draw people closer to him. A couple of weeks ago, there was going to be a ton of snow on Sunday morning. I don't remember which week it was because there's always a ton of snow on Sunday morning. And, and we were talking on Saturday night, the executive team, about what we were going to do. And, 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 and Dan Leverance, who's in charge over the worship, said, well, we really need to make a decision by 5 a.m. on Sunday morning as to whether we're canceling church or not because our musicians have to be here at 6. And, and, and if we're going to, you know, we want to give them enough chance to not have to get 
get out if they don't have to get out. It's 6 o'clock in the morning in the snow, and they were here. That's a commitment that drives all. It's choosing to have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who took commitment to a whole new level. But first and foremost, it's the people closest to you who need to know that you're there, okay? And young people, I, I remember what it was like, okay? You want to find the one that you want to be with together, and you think this sounds great, and you want, you're, you're all about this, and you're really all about this, and, and that's okay, because that's, that's how God made us to be. We want to be all about the whole thing, but I just got to tell you, one day, you're going to end up in a hospital chapel in Minnesota while your wife is having brain surgery, not really knowing how it's all going to turn out. She'll probably come out having a better quality of life. That's why we took the chance. But it might be worse. What are you going to do then? That's probably not what you were thinking about on Valentine's Day when you were out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. But it's true, and there are going to be a lot of moments ahead in your life like that. So are you going to stay or are you going to bail? We lost my father-in-law seven weeks ago. He was 87, uh, and that's pretty old. But honestly, he would have lived longer, except that for the last 20 years of his life, he wore himself out caring for my mother-in-law with Parkinson's. He was just worn out. All the way to the end, a year and a half ago when she passed away, he was the primary caregiver. Many times we would comment on how tired he looked, and we'd try to get them help, but they didn't want to spend the money, and it all worked okay for now, and they didn't want to do it. Here's a picture of Don bringing Carol to my daughter's wedding out in California, Becca's wedding. They came all the way out there, flew out there by themselves uh, with her Parkinson's. They flew out alone. They flew back. They got stuck in the Denver airport overnight on the way back. But, but they just didn't quit, man. They had commitment. And this picture says it all. Someday that's what it's going to be about. It's going to take a lot of commitment. I'm so fortunate to have both sets of parents who passed on faithfulness and commitment to us. I know I am. They've both been... Married 62 years. My parents who are still alive will hit 62 years next month. That's incredible. But that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by choice. I'm going to close with an audio recording of a resignation address from Dr. Robert McQuilkin from Presidency of Columbia International College. He was a president there for many years, and his wife, Muriel, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's after 50, uh, 42 years of marriage. And he said, it didn't seem painful to her, but it was a slow dying for me watching this creative, articulate person I knew and loved gradually just dimming out. And he, uh, he approached the, the college board of trustees and asked them to begin looking for a successor, saying that in the day that Muriel needed him full time, she would have him. And because Robertson still had eight years to go before retirement, his friends urged him to get, uh, get Muriel in, a, in an institution, in a home. And, and they said she would adapt quickly. But would she? Robertson asked himself, would she? Would, would anyone love her? Would, would, would I be able to love her the same? And the problem was Muriel had uh, this, this problem that she couldn't say sentences. She could only say words. 
And she could only say one sentence, and she said it often, I love you. She kept saying that to him over and over again. And so they got a companion to stay with her, um, but every day when Dr. McQuilkin would go daily to his office, it became difficult for her to stay home, and, and she would take out after him. And the walk was a mile round trip, and Muriel would make the trip as many as 10 times a day. And he said, sometimes at night when I helped her undress, I found bloody feet because she just needed to be near me. He said, when I told our family doctor, my doctor choked up and said, such love. So in 1990, believing that being faithful to Muriel in sickness and in health was a matter of integrity, McQuilkin resigned his presidency to take care of his wife full time. And here is his speech. I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major decisions, but uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated it. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, seems to be almost happy when with me, and almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped becomes very fearful, sometimes almost terror. And when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised in sickness and in health, till death do us part, and I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly, it's the only fair thing she sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. We get to experience communion together now in these moments. And if you are at home... I just want to encourage you that this would be a great time to maybe run to the kitchen to grab a cracker or a piece of bread and some juice, something that you can use to symbolize the body, symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus. If you're here in the room, uh, I can hear some of those wrappers being pulled already. Um, I apologize that those are so difficult, um, but we, you should have gotten, hopefully as you came in today, prepackaged communion elements. Uh, if it's your first time using those, the, the very top layer is super thin and it takes a little <laughs> trick with your thumb to pull off that first piece of cellophane to get the wafer out and then pull off that next thicker layer to get to the juice. We're going to just give you some time to ponder the things that you've heard, to, uh, to let the truths of Pastor Tim's message just sink in a little bit deeper and I'll come back in just a moment we'll take those elements together.
I just can't help but wonder if Jesus had the same mindset. Not that I have to, but that I get to. I get to do this so that I can have relationship with my kids. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. The blood of Jesus shed for you. Take and drink. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Ultimately, God, you are our example. And anytime we come into this place, anytime we open up the Bible, when we look at the words that you gave us to live by, we want to allow those to change us, to change the way that we think, to change the way that we live. And I pray that that would be the case today. Help us to understand, God, what it means to be truly committed to the relationships in our lives. We love you. We thank you for the chance to gather together. And we pray all of this in the amazing name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If there's one thing I've learned during this teaching series, it's that relationships take work. If you've been listening and you feel like God is leading you to take a step when it comes to your relationships with other people or even your relationship with Him, we would love to know about it. And we'd also love to help you continue to grow. Just fill out the Next Steps form at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps to start that conversation with us. And one last thing, and in some ways, it's one of the most important things I could share with you. Through Parkview, God is reaching thousands of people each and every week. He's restoring marriages, breaking strongholds, and helping people find freedom in Jesus for the first time. That continues to happen because of each one of you who is trusting God with their financial resources and giving to the mission of Parkview. Living generously is the best way to live. So if you are already giving to the ministry of Parkview, thank you. My guess is you've already experienced the joy of a generous life. And if you are ready to take that next step, just go to parkviewchurch.com slash give and set up a recurring gift. Uh, thanks again for joining us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Have a great day.